0: We talked to some great people at the Violent Executive Summit. And in this podcast, we're going to be spending time with Justin and Wyatt Sifford of Wylander Staffing Solutions. And then after that, we have the famous Kenyon Martin of Restore Right Restoration, a client of Super Tech University. And you are going to enjoy this so much. So sit back and chill and enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to the Blue Collar Nation Podcast, the podcast dedicated to making the lives of home service professionals better. Now, join Eric and Larry to talk about all things home service.
0: Well, hello, everybody. We're back here at the Violand Conference, Violand Executive Summit. See, I got to get that right. It's written right up there in this. help. and um, we have Justin Sifford from Wylander. I got to get my names and people <laughs> correct. I've got Man. a reputation that comes along it's tough, I know. with that. And you have your son Wyatt here. He's right supervising.
2: Yeah, making sure I do a good job.
0: Yes, of course. And that's what he does on a regular basis, from what you said. Yep, quality
2: control.
3: Justin, Larry, we had John Smith, a guy named John Smith on.
0: He tells the same story. Yeah, because it's time. the greatest story ever. you
3: get his name wrong three
0: times. John James Smith.
2: Smith, Jim Smith. He was a That's good cool.
0: sport about it. That's cool. No, he so. wasn't.
2: <laughs> he never came back on. Never,
0: we yeah. made it on his podcast, so it was okay. Yeah, yeah. Gonna dislike this assman. And now,
3: a quick message from our title sponsor, SuperTech University.
1: Did you know 85% of financial success comes from soft skills abilities and only 15% from our technical abilities? Super Tech U was created by longtime restoration pros Eric Sprague and Larry Wilberton. Their daily three to five minute videos train your entire company on the soft skills they need to make your business thrive. Plus, your entire team earns IICRC CEC credits, all for about the cost of one tank of gas.
2: To get
3: more information about SuperTech University and receive a special six lesson e-course on in-home sales, go to supertechu.com backslash podcast offer. Again, get your free in-home sales training at supertechu.com backslash podcast offer.
0: Hey, so anyway, let's get to you, Justin, and what Wylander, and you've got... Multiple businesses and things going on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Yeah, and then you could lead into uh, your businesses.
2: Yep. So my background, I started this world out of high school as a firefighter, paramedic. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. My wife was a teacher, and we um, dated, and and I said, hey, you know, your parents own a flooring company. All firemen have two jobs. And on my days off, I they need help. I'd like to maybe work in their warehouse, just driving a forklift. Yeah. Nothing. Major, right? Nothing major. No, I mean, nothing. no commitment. The fun stuff. Something you can walk away from.
0: No, I drove a forklift and I walked away from it, not on my accord, actually. (laughs) I was asked to walk away from it. So anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so I
2: I did that uh, for, I don't know, six months or so, driving the forklift, loading carpet crews, wood crews, and um, my girlfriend's mom, who my girlfriend is now my wife for 22 years. She said, uh, "Congratulations! Thank you, thank you." She said, "Hey, Justin, have you ever thought about being in sales?" And I said, "No, I don't know anything about sales." And she said, "Oh, I think you, I think you would do well at sales." I said, "Okay, well, how much money can I make at sales?" Right? She said, "You probably make fifty thousand your first year." And I was making what thirty eight as a fireman. Yeah. And I said, "Okay, I'll do that on my days off." Sure. Yeah. So I did it. And I did very well, and I made the money that she was talking about. But I hated it because I felt like I was ripping people off. It was too easy to make that kind of money. I'd go to the firehouse and risk my life for thirty-eight thousand, where as a salesman I'd make, you know, fifty grand. So I quit, and um, you know, stuck to the fireman gig. Nine eleven came. My uncle worked for the FBI. He said, "Hey, we're going to hire twenty-two hundred agents over the next year. Have you ever thought about working for the FBI?" I said, no, but I'd love to carry a gun for a living. <laughs> so uh, we were actually at his, his house shooting at the time, uh, just doing some target practice stuff. And um, he said, yeah, you, you'll have to have your degree, but we're going to hire two 200 agents. And so I said, oh, Christy, what do you think? You know, we talked about it. And um, I decided to leave the firehouse because I was making enough money part-time at the flooring store right. to go back to college to get my degree. And so I was going to major, I majored in emergency management. So that way, if I didn't make it with the FBI, I could fall back to the fire department and stay with emergency management. Well, three quarters of the way through, mother-in-law said, hey, I'm getting a divorce. I want you to run our flooring company, my part-time job, become a full-time job. And we were doing about $13 a year in revenue. And the FBI had changed in just that three years. Um,
0: A lot of things were happening right around there. A lot of things,
2: yeah. A lot of things. My uncle actually had left the FBI and went to DOD.
0: There's your connection, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. My my lifeline. (laughs) So, and, and, you know, starting with FBI, you're going to make, you know, say 50, and they're going to have you live in some town who knows where. So, anyway, I decided to go the business route, and that's how I left the public service world and have been in business ever since. Later started my own flooring company, specialized in hardwood floors, studied in France for a while. Um, did really high-end floors. Designers loved it. They could walk into someone's home and say, oh, our, our flooring guy studied in France. And so they love that.
3: Yeah. Um, How did you get past the whole sales uh, aversion thing?
2: Well, you know, when you get married, right? Because remember, when I started, I was dating her. Then uh-huh. we got married. Yeah. When you get married, you do stupid things like buy a 66 Mustang to restore and then have a mortgage, and then a dog, and you have real bills. And so then the sales is like, oh. Imagine
0: that. that That's even before the kids and you're feeling it. (laughs) It feels way more (laughs) honest now.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I ended up back in sales and and have pretty much been in sales since in some aspect.
3: So how long did you do the flooring company on your own?
2: So that was, uh, what was that, about five, seven years and that was how I got into the restoration industry. I partnered with a restoration company in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. They were doing uh, $32 million a year. And I would meet their project managers, estimators on job sites and learn what Xactimate was and learn what itel was. And they'd say, look, I just need to make my 10 and 10. Well, what's 10 and 10? Yeah. You know. Um, so that was my exposure into the industry and um, learned a little bit about restoration. Ended up selling that flooring company to my partners and then became a consultant for the flooring industry. Um, loved that for a while. While we were consultants, we started a recruiting company, hired our first recruiter, which was Christy, my wife now. Oh, there you go. And she just knocked it out of the park. And so
3: why recruiting? Like, I mean, there was it's, a need. it's a very
2: different... Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a need. There, you know, we, we, We're in a blue-collar industry, yeah. uh, blue-collar nation, and we start out... You know, whether it's we start as a carpenter or a technician and morph into an estimator, project manager. One day we're an owner, right? Yeah. What do we know about interviewing? Nothing. Nothing. What do we know about hiring? Nothing. What do we know about onboarding? All those things, yeah. right? So we saw there was a need, and that's why we started hmm. the recruiting business. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So
0: hang on a second. I want to go back a little bit. How did you get to France to study the flooring in France?
2: Yeah, so I, I love Europe. I love going to Europe. And I noticed that in, say, the Louvre, right, in, in Paris, they've got fantastic floors that you just don't see in many other places. And where I was in Dallas-Fort Worth, we were building, or not we, there were guys, contractors, builders, building $2 million, $3 million, $7 million homes. And they were putting in this same floor that were going in $100,000, $200,000 homes. I said, I want to be the guy who does the floors that's in the Louvre in these million dollar, multi-million dollar yeah. homes. Right. And so that's why I said, I want to go to France. So literally, I found a guy online who made the types of floors that I wanted to make, emailed him, emailed about three different people. He responded back, yeah, happy to have you. In France, it's no big, or in Europe, I should say, it's no big deal to hitchhike, right? They pick them up all the time. So getting that email from me was like, yeah, I'll help you out. Because I told him, you know, it's my passion. I want to learn how to do this and yada, yada, yada. So he accepted me, and I stayed at his place. It was an old chateau that he had restored. It was an awesome experience.
3: Yeah, that's very yeah, cool. It's a great experience. That's yeah. really cool. All right. Well, let's get into the recruiting business a little yeah. bit. Let's talk about. Uh, we've already addressed that all of us have big shortcomings in this area, <laughs> right? You know, hiring and interviewing and onboarding, which are, are problematic. So, yeah. uh Talk about filling the need. Talk about how you figured that out. And
2: you know, a lot of it's a lot of it is bandwidth. You know, owners just don't have the time to sit in front of a computer every day, have the skills to find candidates, yeah. call candidates. Sure, we can post an ad on Indeed and get a bunch of people that worked at various fast food restaurants and, you know, they're not qualified, right? It's not what we're looking for. Um, so a lot of it's bandwidth that people just don't have the time. The other part is is really skill, um, using Boolean techniques, right? Um, using all the techniques that you can find what on What kind LinkedIn. of technique is that? I'm curious. Yeah, you have to Google it, but it's called bouillon. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sounds
0: like a French stew. Like yeah. <laughs> Like gold bouillon. Like-
2: <laughs> yeah. Some people call it bouline. Okay. So I think that's French as well. Okay. <laughs> but it's just a technique using keywords, you know, starting a, a word with say uh, open parentheses and put project manager, close parentheses, capital word, and restore open parentheses restoration, closed parentheses, and that's just going to filter your resumes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there's a technique behind it. So, um, you know, not only, you know, posting, but then reviewing all these people who have applied, right? So um, candidates are going to apply who aren't qualified, but they see, oh, 60,000 a year, 80,000 a year, 100,000, whatever it is, oh, I could do that job. And taking the time to comb through all those resumes. I can't tell you how many people have said, I just don't have time to comb through all these resumes or people who have no skill are applying for these jobs. So that's you. Yeah. That's what we do. We have six recruiters currently okay. hiring two. If there's anyone out there interested in becoming a recruiter, hundred percent remote. I know remote's big right now.
0: Oh yeah, yeah obviously big deal. No, that's great. <laughs> we know different, many companies that are benefiting have benefited from you bringing them people that yep. have been very valuable. Yeah. And that, it's a big. You know. So
3: Justin, aren't you also doing like fractional sales yeah. manager? Can, yes. you, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, too?
2: absolutely. We started uh, remote sales management, fractional sales management about two years ago, okay. where we literally are the sales manager for companies. And it, it's great for companies who are, you know, between half a million and typically seven to 10 million. At that point, they're typically hiring their own sales manager. Yeah, um, But we're managing your salespeople, holding them accountable, having weekly meetings with them. We provide a CRM, which is HubSpot. We're also doing some awesome technology piece on the background. Where HubSpot's working for them, doing drip, bank, drip campaigns and other things um, so that we're hopefully kind of providing leads for the salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, owners, they don't know, kind of like onboarding and interviewing, they, they don't know how to manage salespeople. They
4: never Well, work, and,
3: most owners in our world started as technicians.
2: Right.
4: Exactly.
3: So, and, and a lot of them maybe didn't feel like they were good salespeople even in their own right. Right. So to right. then lead yeah. is like
2: petrifying. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so many owners are saying, well, look, I, I bought them a, a, a car and gave them a credit card, and what, what else did they need? I did it. Why can't they do it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Lots of training involved there. Yep. Helping
2: them, Absolutely. guiding them. Well, uh, you know, yeah.
3: and the funny thing is, the owner didn't have anybody holding them accountable. So right. who's to say how effective they really yeah, were? Yeah. You're like, yeah, okay, they built a business, but, right. you know.
2: And, and you know, there's a big difference when you own the company because you know that, hey, it's it's me, make it or break it. Yeah. Versus. Your why
0: is totally different than here's someone coming in.
2: Say again? Your
0: why is so totally oh, yeah. different.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's called payroll. It's <laughs> <laughs> overhead. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, we manage these sales folks, but we also will manage sales managers. Okay. Right. Uh, how many sales managers have the opportunity to network with somebody else? Right. How many sales managers are here today? It's mostly owners. Yeah. Maybe ops managers, maybe there's a sales manager, but how many, how many opportunities do those guys have to talk to other sales managers? So we're kind of that voice for them, right? Hey, this is the norm. This is okay. This isn't okay. This is what you should expect. Yeah. So we're really excited about it. we have had a lot of success. Um, yeah owners love it So really- Right. i have
3: a special request before okay. we finish up cool okay yeah i just got a text from michelle blevins Uh-oh. editor of cnr magazine publisher She's Chucking in
0: questions coming she, in from the crowd I got, we
3: have questions coming in up. and she wants to ask wyatt about the amazing hike that he just did oh
2: 70 miles in a week yeah you want me to hand it over hand yeah the mic yeah, let's, yeah let's let's get let's get on wyatt i
3: want to, i want to hear about this All whole right. thing here is wyatt and a big thanks to Michelle for uh teeing this up for us. So Wyatt,
4: what did you do? Um so we started hang on a
0: second, introduce you. How old are you and how long have you been working with the uh Wylander for? <laughs>
4: <laughs> since birth since birth. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm fourteen years old. Um mm-hmm. I don't I really, I don't say I should really work with Wylander. I actually own my own detailing business in Florida on my island there. So yeah. I detail people's cars for a little bit of money. Nice. Um so our first day we got there, it was at base camp, and you had these little.
3: And where were you?
4: Uh, New Mexico. New
3: Mexico. All right.
4: A little place called Cimarron. Um, it's like little cots and just a—you don't have to set up a tent or anything. It's rainfly and sleep in there for the first day, and then they teach you all stuff. You know, don't pet the bears and <laughs> don't, pet the, don't bears. pet the bears. Don't pet the bears. Don't the bears. It's wise
3: counsel, man.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They give you all your gear, your food, and everything, and then you head out, you get on the bus, you head to what they call a trailhead marker, and it's just this wood pole that tells you your coordinates and everything, and you start out how many miles you hike, and there usually was either a staff camp or a trail camp, staff camp meaning there is staff there, and there's, you know, water that you don't have to filter out, mm. or... They have food. No. No, you, no. Food. You had all your trail food in, in okay. like a plastic bag. So and a trail camp was you had to fill with your own water. There was no staff there, no buildings, it was just the camps. That's so you were
0: carrying all your gear as well on uh, your back? Correct. It
4: was our average probably was thirty five, forty pounds a day. So That's were great. you having to bear bag your food
3: at night up in a tree so the bears don't come and yeah, make so, you dinner?
4: So every every camp, no matter staff camp or trail camp, they had these, it was like a big old wire on two trees, and you'd throw your rope over, yeah. tie them up, and you would hoist it up, and tie to a tree or a log, and you would hang your food for the next something days, and then you would have your food for tonight and all your other personal belongings that's a smellable, and they would call it the oops bag. Oops.
0: Oops. So it's not an oops like you left it in the tent by mistake?
4: Yeah, kind of like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
4: So you'd hang that at the very end, then you go to bed, wake up in the morning. The first thing you would do is get your bear bags down. Yeah. And so you'd walk out your tent, you put all your sleeping stuff into one bag or multiple bags, and you throw it out your tent. You get your buddy who sleeps with you, you take down your tent. And then you would go move over to your pack Pack whatever you need And then do your bear bags real quick and Maybe some people are faster So they already headed over to bear bags And take them down They would head back We'd dump out all the food we sorted it out for throughout the days And you and your buddy To sort through weight distribution And So how long you had
0: your buddy That was like your partner or whatever How many kids together total were there? So we had six kids and two advisors. Okay, yeah. wow, that's great.
4: Yeah. And you went seventy miles.
0: Correct. Nice. And how high did you go? Which mountain did you go up? Or was we there a bunch up, of them?
4: We went up probably three or four peaks. And our highest peak was a called Trail Peak. It was ten thousand feet. Oh wow! Nice. That's a
0: yeah. That's a nice peak. That's a good. Yeah. Height.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also went up one of our nicest peaks. It was. Called to the time was nine thousand feet, but there was you know no trees around it at all, so you can just see forever in the mountains and everything. Yeah, so nice out west. Yeah, sounds (laughs) like a blast.
3: So what what possessed you to do this? Is this part of a group? Like how did you get involved with this? Because this is really an amazing thing to do, especially at fourteen.
4: Yeah, so it was two troops. It was uh, from a big a troop from Big Pine and a troop from Marathon. There was about. Three kids each from each troop.
3: Scouting, Boy Scout troop. Yeah, yeah. Boy Scout troop. Oh, that's awesome, man! Congrats.
2: Yeah, Wyatt's uh, just about completed his Eagle Scout. He should be an Eagle Scout by uh, fall. Mm -hmm. So all he has to do is his project, basically. Yep. So he'll be the second Eagle Scout in our house. Yeah. uh, Super excited for him, and you know, of course, excited about his future. That's awesome. So you were you're an Eagle Scout too, I've, Justin? No, I wasn't in Scouting at all. Okay. Nope. I've been assistant Scoutmaster, Scoutmaster, Cubmaster for I don't know, fifteen years now, I've been involved. Yeah. So I'm honestly looking for why to get done so we can move yeah. on and do other things. Yeah. <laughs> you're tired of the scouting. I, I did I, I was a scout leader for three years. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's I come from Utah.
3: It's the yeah, land of scouting. It is. It is. For sure. <laughs> so, so for sure. I didn't have any, I only had girls. So, really? so my friends are like, you need to come help us out, you know, like <laughs> get, get a little, you know, the testosterone going. Right, so right. That, it was cool. I it's enjoyed. rewarding. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah that's awesome, sure. Wyatt. Congratulations. That's yeah, very yeah. good. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. i to you. take your whole night, but just wanted to yeah. check in again and sure. say hi. Yeah. Thank you, and Wyatt. So much. Thank you. No thank no you, Justin. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, Eric here with Blue Collar Nation Podcast. And I would just like to take a moment to talk about my favorite magazine for the cleaning and restoration industry, and that is CNR Magazine. I've been a longtime reader of CNR Magazine, and now my good friend Michelle Blevins has purchased that magazine and is growing it at an amazing rate. So if you're in the cleaning and restoration industry, you will be excited to hear that not only can you get CNR Magazine digitally, But you can also get it for free in print form, actual paper where you get to sit on your couch and read it, which if you're my age, that's appealing. So all you have to do is go to cnrmagazine.com and that's c-a-n-d-r-magazine.com to get your free subscription. And it's even in print. So if you want to stay on top of what's going on in the cleaning and restoration industry, and he, you know, gets to see a lot of cool articles by a lot of very smart people. Go to camdrmagazine.com. All right. We are back from the Violent Executive Summit. We've got a friend, Kenyon Martin from Blackfoot, Idaho at Restore Right. Kenyon, welcome to the show. Hey. How are you, man?
1: I'm happy to be here.
3: Yeah. It's good to see you. I wasn't expecting, I didn't know you were coming. So that was the pleasant surprise this morning. Yeah. It it's good.
1: been been a few years since I came, but... This is one of the most memorable events I've I've come to in the last six yeah.
3: years. So. Yeah, I always really enjoy this because, like, you go to trade shows or events, but there's difference between that and sitting in class all day. Yep. And just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not working a trade show booth. I'm, I'm learning. Yep. I'm a student again. Yep, that feels good yeah. to me.
1: Yeah, awesome conversation. Because
3: as an owner, you're always teaching somebody, mm-hmm. but who's teaching you? Uh,
1: no one good. If, if it's yourself, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. no one qualified.
3: <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> All right. Kenyon, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I mean, I told them you were from Blackfoot, but just tell them how long you've been in the industry, how you got into the industry, and kind of a little bit about your company.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I started Restore Right 2016. Uh, grew up in Idaho. So I fit the mold pretty good. i potato farmer, you know, yeah,
3: okay.
1: uh, did that for 20 plus years of my life. And then I actually went and worked for a nuclear facility for a couple years. Um, basically was Homer Simpson got really bored out there and, but I, I picked up a lot of good, uh, things from the government as far as, uh, building structures, right. you know, uh, structuring your work site, job scopes. Uh, They trained us in uh, abatement, contamination control, you know. um,
3: Oh, you mean all the stuff restorers need to know?
1: Yeah. It it translated really good to this, and um, opportunity came up for me to start one, and I just did it on the side, so I'd work four days at the site and then go clean carpets and suck out water the four days off, and it just came to the point I had to make a decision. Uh, made a jump, and then luckily just had the right support group around me yeah. to kind of help guide this. And I'm assuming boat. that like you were, your phone was starting to
3: ring and you were giving away jobs because you had your full-time gig and you're just like, I, I got to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I had um, a really good friend. He owns a restoration company in my territory. And so if I couldn't do something, he would step in and help. If I had a question, he's willing to say this is what I would do. Right. right, the camaraderie was was uncomparable to anything else out there, and then luckily I got connected with the right people, like uh, Katie Harris at Spot On Solutions, and she was a a coach and helped. And soon I met Violand, and we've gone from you know two guys that did it on the side to thirty eight employees.
3: That's crazy, man! That's awesome growth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome.
3: Good for you. And I know you're building a new building. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. When's that going to be done?
1: Well, um, I guess there's a movie out there called The Two Week Contractor. So I've, <laughs> I've been the Two Week Contractor for the last six months, you know. But <laughs> two more weeks, man. <laughs> two more weeks, yeah. So it's it's really close. Um, we're in a we're in a competitive environment of building. Still a lot of building going on. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to so. jump
0: in here real quick because I'm looking forward to going filming some more content at your new place. <laughs> hey, that would you be awesome! Did such a great time job last time. Your your team was awesome. I oh,
3: yeah. appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. I didn't say uh, Kenyon was nice enough to let us go and shoot our, uh, our our promotional video at his place and and steal his staff. <laughs> I don't know how they felt about yeah.
1: it. <laughs> hey, you know what? It was awesome because it kind of helped us start implementing the super tech university. Yeah, it's
3: good. Thing. So, yeah. How's that been for those guys?
1: You know, it's, it's neat because it highlights the A players from the B players and the C players. It sure does, you know? And so we sit down in the morning and you can see the disengaged from the engaged. Yeah. And isn't and, that amazing as yeah. an owner, you just can
3: look around the room and be like, right. I know who my people are.
1: Yeah. It makes a huge difference. It, it helps me invest in the right person, Yeah, you know, and, and, give an effort at getting the disengaged uh, player engaged a little bit.
3: Yeah. Or, or if they won't, then... Yeah. Because yeah. the A player hates playing with the C player. They do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but we found, and our clients, many of those C players move up because the A players yeah. are pressuring them. So they kind of... It's either they're going to move out or yeah. up real quick. Yeah. It's nice to see that dichotomy happen yeah. almost immediately.
3: And our A players, I think, with that, too, because of the training... They started feeling more comfortable coming to Larry and I and going, "Hey, you know, Susie or Timmy, they're not, they're not on our program. Like, we got to get them on
1: the program or off the program."
3: Yep. Like, okay, yeah. You know,
1: and and we found it's given um, leadership opportunities for a a b players to express their viewpoint of the of the yeah. you know the program that we watched, and then sometimes you can spark something with the c player. You sure. Him talking. You yeah. just if if you can't ever get them from a C to a B without some kind of communication, totally, or talk to happen, and that's that's been one of the biggest benefits that we've seen from it. Oh, that's cool. And also, you spark the conversation of what's bathroom etiquette, right? Those are tough conversations to have with someone. Yeah,
3: and and it, for you as an owner, it's better if me the, the the video person does it in a way because then you. You don't, you don't have to be the person to be like, like, I mean, we, we talk about body odor, right? Yeah. Like that's, that I've I had to have uncomfortable conversations right with
0: now, people. We're not that close to each other. <laughs> well, you
3: there's, smell there's, like garlic, but a that's a whole different deal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like as an owner, not only is that a hard conversation, but it's a risky conversation. It is. Whereas yeah. if it comes on super tech university and Eric, the, the random dude on the video says, we got to you know talk about how we smell. Yep. That's a that's a way for you to ease in and be like by the, it by the way it comes up
1: naturally. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, if I bring it up out of the blue like, hey, I don't really like the color orange and we can't have that around us anymore. It's like, whoa, I feel attacked, you know. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I feel I'm feeling down right, a now. right All of a sudden, now. I don't know. I just, something's
1: going on. Apparent,
3: apparently, Kenyon doesn't like her colors. Like
1: no, that, color. that's, that's Boise State Blue. I, I, of course, I love it. You know, okay. Boise State Orange. Yeah, there we go. Yeah.
3: So, I know you've been in Violin for quite a long time. Like, what has it done to help grow your
1: business? Um, I feel like one of the biggest things it's done is it's helped my team hold me accountable. So, like I grew up farming potatoes, moving pipe. Yeah. Um, no one in my family or generation has ever done what I've done, right. or managed the amount of people that I'm managing, and I've I've got no. Yeah, it's experience. a long, it's a lonely road. Yeah, and and so Violin has helped hold me accountable and given me the right tools to mm. you know help my team develop and grow. And yeah. as we've gone, because it's so different from from one to five. And then 5 to 15 is kind of the same. And then 15 to 30 is just a whole different realm of of relationship management, you know. And
3: Well, and then, thir- like, I mean, really anything for you, and we've been there, anything over 20, all of a sudden you don't have as much relationship with certain players, right? Because you're spread thin. Yep. And now you're relying on managers to really be their person more than yourself. Yep. At least – for us it was right around 20 25 yep and then all of a sudden you're like am i losing it like am i losing the this group because Blake. they don't see me so much or, yeah. or they just think i'm off in a boat somewhere or
1: yeah i was i'm gone this week and what What do they think you they, know they think they,
3: you're sitting at the beach dude getting yeah, a tan you're sitting here grinding right. <laughs> I mean, we used to feel that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we used to, they would We'd come back, you know, we got to inundate them with ideas so you scare them when you come back so they know that you're out doing something. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, that's the strategy yeah. that we did inadvertently. When we come back, they'd be nervous. Uh oh. Well, it comes.
3: The, they finally, as we empowered them more, as we, we did more training, when Larry and I would come back from an event, I mean, not just violin, but any learning event we had the tendency to be like, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to do this and they would just be like, oh, here we go again. You right. know? In two days, they'll forget all about it and right. it'll be normal. So they finally were just like, look, when you come back, can you just give us, like if you want to implement some, one thing. Uh-huh. So then it made Larry and I get better because then we would stay an extra day and be like, what's the one thing? Mm-hmm. Like we learned 50 things in, in this week, but what's the one thing that, not only would it have the most impact, but that they'll buy into. Yeah. Because if they don't buy in,
1: yeah, it's a waste of time. I agree. A lot of the value I see, too, is improving my personal relationships or getting me tools to help my managers develop things to manage their personal relationships. Yeah. So that you know they can handle their home business and not bring it to work. Because if they're happier at home, they're happier out in the, in the totally. field, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, people always thought, you know, Larry and I used to, I, I wrote an article for CNR recently about that. I said, you know, I started a restoration company and ended up with a like a success academy. Yeah. But if I didn't do that, it was harder on us. Like we had to grow them in every aspect of their life because their home life would f- leak into our business whether it, we wanted it to or not. Yeah. So we might as well help them navigate that. Yep. Because it's only it's good for them, and it makes them want to stay longer because we're investing in them. Yeah. But it also self serving because it's like, dude, I just can't take the drama.
4: Yeah.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
3: You know, we started doing uh, like monthly reviews, so we'd do a quick review sheet so that they would get reviewed every 30 days, Mm -hmm. like five minutes. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing well here. You know, could you? And you know what we found was like you you have a person who maybe for like 10 months straight had awesome reviews. Like every review was, yeah, you're doing awesome. Thank you so much. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, like you'd have this month and you're just like, what happened? Yeah. And then, you know, they'd kind of hem it on and be like, okay, what's going on? Oh, you know, get a divorce. Oh, my mom has cancer. Like, and then now, okay, well now we just took a reviews portion, but now we're going to use that as a tool to rally around you. Yep. This is the thing. Those are the things that I think we learn here. Yeah that our competitors, they, they drop the ball on those things. Yeah,
1: the, the neat thing in this kind of environment is you're surrounded by great men and great women, you know, leaders. And when you're talking with them, you'll see that they're great because of what they had to overcome. They had to do something difficult to get where they are. They had to have hard conversations. They had to give up certain things, right? Yeah. And, and so then when you look out and you're trying to look at your own, group of team members and they're starting to struggle with things you just know like okay we can um facilitate this trial for them and it's gonna they're gonna come out of this better than they went into it yeah and and developing people you know or if you're out interviewing to recruit people and they're having an off day and you can have the right conversation with them to know what they're going through knowing that hey this might be an a player um Once they get through this difficult thing, you know, so no, that's true. All right. So I don't want to take your whole time
3: because there's a lot going on. What's your big thing you're going to work on this year? What, like, have you figured that out? Like, what's the one thing?
1: So one thing, um, honestly, for me, it's attitude of gratitude. I, I really want to improve that with myself, recognizing, uh, gifts and blessings I have in my life and, and discussing them with other people in my organization with the hope that they can, they take the same approach, same yeah. strategy, you know, and then um, hopefully that is infectious in the organization and, and people are able to look around and recognize what they have, you know, yeah. and, and improve their, you yeah. know. You know,
3: growth. I always say that, dude, like, I always say to team members, like, do you remember what it felt like when you got the job? Like you know that feeling, like I went and interviewed and then I got the job, and I went to, you know I got the phone call or or right there, and you're just so pumped. I'm like you, you got to find a way to try to feel that way every day, because mm-hmm. once the job really starts and we deal with problems and difficulties and just yeah. like everything, and all of a sudden you get jaded. Yeah. And a job that you probably do really like. Yeah. But you just get caught up in all the negative aspect, and like I'm super guilty of that. Yeah. So I always like tell our guys, it's like. Just remember that first day feeling when you got the job. Like, try to keep that as yeah. much as you can.
1: Yeah. We, we d- talked about, you know, developing a, a scoreboard, like knowing what the score is every day and, yeah. and, and having it be a win or a loss and just just taking that for what it is. And, like, hey, I, I won today, you know? Yeah. No, yeah and just- the
0: gratitude goes far because there's going to be a majority of wins. And you got to focus on those wins because it's so easy to focus on the twenty percent of losses or five percent or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But there's so much more wins coming in if you keep them on the gratitude journey. It's a lot easier with that board up
3: there. Yeah. Well, and the more the more gratitude there is, the more wins come. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, yeah. It, what you focus on happens, right? So yeah. if you, if you're focused on on the problems, there's lots of problems. But if you can you can put your focus on things that are going well, then they can... T- Hopefully, yeah. continue to manifest.
0: Yeah, all right, man. Yeah, Whoops. and well, hang on. Leading oh. as a leader, doing that, that's going to make it effective. Because if you're running with that theme with them, that's going to go a long way.
3: Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, Kenny, just want to thank you for your time, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you guys pleasure here. Pleasure having you so, on the show. I'm looking
1: forward to that steak you promised me. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah we're on it <laughs> <laughs> tonight. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar podcast. For more information about Eric and Larry and Supertech University, please visit us at supertechu.com. That is supertechu, the letter U.com.